Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. I have, um, I have a message for you this morning and I, um, I actually, I really, really do believe it is completely a word from God for the season we're in right now. I was sitting and I was doing my study and we're in obviously the Idea You series and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, right, what is God saying? What is God saying to us today? What is he saying to us right now in this season? My message this morning is called, I Dare You to Cross Over. And um, I, uh, I, one of the issues, like um, James was saying, you know, we had just over the last few days, everything that had happened in, in Nice and then everything that had happened in Turkey. And um, it's quite, it, it, the world is, is is chaotic right now and and the world is changing um but one thing that i recognize from having children is that most things in the world are acceptable now and it didn't used to be that way but i recognize it because i watch what my children see and i watch what my children hear and most stuff is acceptable and um when i was a little girl am i is there a funny kind of sound in my no okay when I, <laughs> when I was a little girl, I, um, my mum could come into the living room and she could switch on the television and leave the room and not worry about what I was watching. We can't do that now as parents. It's not possible to do that. I had Naya off school just before the summer holidays and I put on a morning television programme. And I put on this, this programme and in my head... I thought, it's morning TV, it's an, it's an okay program, it's fine, she's fine. And I put it on, and she was just sitting, and she was colouring in or something, and I went through to the kitchen. And I came back through, and her face was staring at the TV, and her jaw was open. And I looked at the TV, and I could not believe what I was seeing on the television. Not only were they covering this story, but they were actually showing you how to do this thing. And I sat there, and I walked in, and I said, Naya, what is this? And she said, well, you switched it on. <laughs> and I ran for the TV, and you know you do that thing as a parent where you're trying to hide the television while you're trying to find the off button. And I was doing all these, uh, these movements in front of the TV. But the problem that we have is that most stuff is acceptable. And what I noticed about that moment is that there is an agenda now to steal our children's innocence. And I looked and I, I, I saw that thing for the two seconds that it was on when I walked into the room before I switched it off. And I, I could see it immediately. I could see exactly what was going on. There is an agenda now to make everything acceptable and to steal the innocence of our children. There is an agenda to steal our children's innocence. And... Um, I, I want to speak to you this morning about crossing over, and it's where my heart is at, and, and I, it's about, what I, what, I, what I want to speak to you about this morning is, it's about process. It's about sticking through the process, because the world is changing, right, and what God is doing right now is he's changing everything, because the world is changing, and if the world is changing, the church is going to have to change. And we, as, I, I don't think I've known so much in the last you know, year maybe, 
the amount of Christians that have gone really, through really tough stuff. It has just been ridiculous. There have been so many situations where Christians have come to me and said they're going through this and they're going through this. And I know even in my own life, there has been an event after an event after an event. And I look at that and I know that God is changing us. And I know that there is a process that he is taking us through because we've got to get trustworthy and we've got to get stronger and we've got to get deeper on the inside in our walk with God. And so actually we need to show ourselves trustworthy to the call of God. And how do you build trust with God? You show him that even in the storm, you're still standing, you're still faithful. The storm won't last forever, but in that season is where you build your strength. And so I want to speak to you this morning about the process. And by process, I mean from going from one place to another. And it process is a very powerful thing um, because it takes you, it requires of you to do some stuff to take yourself from this one place to another. Now, God allows process. Brian and I are in process at the moment. And he allows the process. Now, still, even although God is allowing the process, My reaction to that process is key. My reaction to that process determines whether I'm going to grow in this thing or whether I'm going to back off and say, do you know what, just forget it. So your reaction is key and it's going to take, it requires of you to take the right action in order to get where you need to go. Um, We do live in a time where where uh, if any of you know me and if any of you have been on like away with like on a girls weekend or anything I like to take selfies and everybody will say you are the selfie queen and I am the selfie queen I love taking selfies so I have my camera and every opportunity I get I'll hold it up here and I'll be like everybody smile and my camera is full of pictures and then I'll edit them and I'll do whatever but the truth is that everything now is at the touch of a button And what has happened, because everything is at the touch of a button, we want things immediately. So we're getting into this way of life now where you can just have it. You can just have it. You do not have to wait. You don't have to go through any kind of process. You can just have it. You can have your perfect picture. Even for our tithes and our offering, I say to Brian, often I say, Brian, we need to put it in the bucket. And he's like, Ruth, I've done it online. I did it. I've done it already at the touch of a button. Everything is at the touch of a button. And what happens with that is that we we avoid the process and the process is key. Um, So in this series, we are to tell you of a dare that we have been part of. And I I actually really struggled to find one that just didn't make me look terrible. (laughs) So I found one. I remembered of a a story when when I was little. I was about Naya's age. And um, I was walking down to a shop in the village where I grew up with my friends. And we were walking towards this shop, and there wasn't a lot happening. It's a small village. You're kind of not a lot going on. And we're walking towards this shop, and one of my friends said to me, Ruth, I dare you to steal something from the shop. And I went, yeah, okay. All right, I'll steal something from the shop. That's okay. So I went in, and... In the olden days, when I was little, like Naya says, what was it like living in the olden days? Um, I, they didn't have like sort of cameras watching you in the shop or anything, so it was pretty easy to go in. So I went in, and there was nobody else in the shop, and I walked in, and I thought to myself, it was quite a big shop, so I'm walking down and thinking, what am I going to steal? And I thought, right, I'll steal an ice pole. That's what I'll steal. 
So I headed over to the freezer and I'm looking, I'm thinking, what ice pole do I want? So I'm looking and I thought, right, I'll have that ice pole. So I'm standing at the freezer and I had a look around and nobody's watching. And there was one assistant on in the shop and in, on sort of working and she was busy. So I'm looking in the freezer. I thought, right, now's my time. I'll take the ice pole. So I reached into the freezer and I shoved the ice pole up my jumper. And I thought, I've done it. So I just walked straight back out the door again, like you do. And I thought, I'm going to get away with this. I'm totally going to get away with this. And this is going to make me look really cool. So I'm heading for the door and I hear Ruth. I stood there and I thought, no. And this lady walked up to me, a lady that was working in the shop in the village. And she said, Ruth, have you just stolen something? And I said, no. And I'm literally shaking. I'm like, my mom is going to kill me. And uh, I said, no. And she said, Ruth, why? have you got an ice pole sticking out the neck of your jumper? <laughs> and I stood there and I just felt just like an absolute bonker. And I pulled the ice pole out and I, I handed it to her and she said, um, she said, Ruth, I'll not tell your mum and dad, but don't you do it again. And I said, right, okay. And uh, the truth is that I was hoping for an outcome and I didn't get that outcome but I know that, um, sorry, my, my uh, iPad keeps going off. But it was a dare, and so I did it. And when somebody gives you a dare, you have to do it. You have to do it. We had, uh, when I was little, we had this battle in a field. And uh, this battle was quite big. It was, about, it was a big silver battle, about that big, really, really wide, and two holes on either end. And uh, we were just hanging about in the village and somebody said, I dare you get inside the barrel and we're going to roll you down the hill. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. So I got into the barrel and um, a couple of my friends came in with me. And so we're sitting inside this barrel and I thought, right, what are we going to do? Because we could literally be really damaged um, doing this because it was quite a steep hill, it wasn't, and it led into like quite a fast-flowing river. So it was very like, we were taking a risk. So I jammed my hands up against the top and I jammed my feet right in front of me so I was secure. And then I shouted out to them, right, go! And they pushed us down this hill and everything went absolutely fine. We never went into the river and it stopped at the bottom. So then this became the thing to do every night and every weekend until we were found out and then the barrel was destroyed but 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 it was taken away but uh it was a dare it was a dare and when somebody dares you you have to do it um but I want to speak to you this morning about process and if you will turn with me to first Corinthians chapter 9 Justin, I am reading from the NIV version, um, just so you know. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. And it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like, like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So 
this scripture is telling us that we have to run in such a way that at the end of all of this, we are going to get the prize. And I, um, one thing that, that we know is that we are responsible for how we run. We are responsible for how we run the race that is set before us. How we run is key. It is really important. Self-discipline is your responsibility. Winning the race is your responsibility. It is nobody else's responsibility. I, um, I have had, and many of you that I know, um, you guys, um, this is your first time in a while in the church, but for those of us that have been here, um, you know that uh, Brian and I right now are in the process of redundancy. And um, we have had literally one thing after another. Now, when we had, about three and a half years ago, we had a situation that had come up and it was pretty, pretty awful. And we were in hospital and um, it's Sunday morning came and I went up to the nurse and I said, we need to go to church. And she said, um, she went, right, I don't know if we can let you do that. And I said, well, we need to go to church. So we'll, we'll come straight back, but we need to go. My reaction immediately was to stand and worship and praise God. That was my first thing. Um, to stand here, to be in the presence of God, to be in the house and to just be in his presence. I wasn't looking to anybody for a miracle. I wasn't looking for anybody to get us out of this. I wasn't looking to anybody for anything. Our attention was on God. And so we came to church and um, we lifted up our hands and we worshipped. Now, to some people, lifting up your hands and worshipping in church is a pretty simple thing. For us, it was the strictest discipline we've ever done in our lives because we stood there and it was the last thing, actually, that we felt like doing. We then had um, a couple of other situations after that where it required an immediate response in our hearts. It required us to respond in a particular way. And uh, we stood there and we said, get to church, get people praying, let's stand and worship. All of that stuff is discipline. All of that stuff is strict discipline for your life. And it's really important that when you have something where you're struggling, something where you're finding life hard, that you apply strict discipline. It's not anybody else's job. I, um, my family aren't here. They live in Skye and uh, Brian's mum and dad are here. Um, and, and we went through all of this stuff. And I remembered at one point thinking, I'd love to see my mum, but I couldn't see her. And so discipline had to come in in order to protect my heart, in order to protect where I was in, in the situation that we were in. Um, so you have to apply strict discipline. Um, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. verse 6 and it says for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter though a person may be weighed down by misery so there's a proper procedure for every matter even although you may be weighed down by misery it's a really powerful thing to stick to the proper procedure because when you go through stuff it can be a bit like a fire but always in the fire new life is brought. And, and I don't know if you remember a while back, I shared this story, but I'm going to share it again. And it was the story that dad shared with me about the Great Fire of London. And 
basically what had happened was when the fire of London happened, there were gardens all around London. So there were these gardens that had been planted all around London. And um, the fire happened, but all over London there were seeds that were lying dormant. So there were seeds lying on the ground and they were just lying dormant. The fire happened and with the force of the fire, it blew the seeds. But the heat of the fire brought the seeds back to life. And so it blew the seeds across London. And what happened was after the fire had happened and everything was destroyed, these gardens started appearing. And these flowers started appearing because in the fire, seeds had been brought to life. And they had been blown across London and then replanted. And because the seeds were alive, they started to grow. And it's the power of the fire. Because although the fire is painful, although it looks nasty, it doesn't look nice. Something beautiful always comes out of the fire. It always does. Otherwise, there is no point in you going through it. And God allows everything in your life for a purpose. He allows it for a purpose. You know, even, uh, even in Aberdeen just now, you know, things are, are, are being affected the way they're being affected. God is allowing it. And he's allowing it for a purpose. And although for us, this is like... What is going on here? Are we going to be all right? Of course we're going to be all right. Because something beautiful comes out of the fire. There is purpose in everything that God does. Before I met Brian, um, my heart, I, I had about four years in this church before I met Brian. And I had found God in this completely new way. Um, I, um, I'm just looking at the time. Oh my word, I have five minutes. Okay. Um, so I, before I met Brian, my heart was, um, that I want that my heart was, I would pray to God on a continuous basis, God do whatever you need to do in me that I may achieve the call of God that you have set before me. It's quite a dangerous prayer because what I'm saying is God do whatever you need to do so that I can fulfill the call of God that is on my life. Brian came along and then it became our prayer. So then we're there together and we're like, God, do whatever you have to do within us so that we may fulfill the call of God that is set before us because that is the most important thing. Now we have found ourselves in three and a half years of believing God to break through for us and it has not been easy, but we prayed a dangerous prayer. And you've got to be careful what you ask for because I can tell you that when you ask for it, God will do it. He will do it. Um, In it all, There is a strength in all. There's a covering and there's a protection and there is an excitement. There is an excitement. I know that even although, you know, things may rage around about your life, God has got you and he's got you for a purpose. Okay, so Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. I am have to go like a train. Habakkuk, can you stop the clock? (laughs) Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and it will not delay. God is a God of process and we cannot skip the process. If you think that you can sit And just say, you know what, God will just do it. He'll just do it when he does it. It's fine, it's coming. No, it's not going to happen like that. You are going to go through a process. 
and your reaction to that process is really, really important. And actually, when I was preparing my message, God told me that this message was for somebody because there's somebody in here, maybe a couple of people that have been waiting for a long time. You have been in a process for a really, really long time and you're not seeing God moving yet. This scripture says, wait patiently. And I want to say to you, wait patiently. My sister Mary, when she got saved, we waited 25 years, maybe 30. And then God just did it. We waited, we prayed, we believed. She was driving along the road. She heard just a voice. And she said she wasn't even thinking about anything. And the voice said, pull into the next lay-by. You can give your heart to me right now. She pulled into the lay-by. She gave her heart to God there and then. She was crying at the steering wheel. She couldn't even understand what had just happened. She said that if there was a camera watching her, people would have been laughing because every passing place after that, she was in and out repenting <laughs> for all of her sin. So she would drive and she'd be like, I better say sorry for this. And she would pull in and she was doing it the whole journey home. But she got home and she got herself right before God. Yeah. 30 years later, 25 years later, God is a God of process yeah. and we have to wait patiently. Yeah. I was watching Andy Murray last weekend don't know how many of you here were watching Andy, but I was watching Andy. And I was really amazed because, do you know what? I wasn't actually watching the game. And I know that might sound a little bit nuts, but I was watching his mental strength. I was looking at him and I was thinking, man, you're talking to yourself in this game. In his head, he's there and he's just going and going and going. And even when he's feeling tired, you could see he was talking to himself. And then he would come off and he would go and sit down and he'd give himself into trouble. And he was shouting at himself and he was, he was speaking to himself. His mental strength was unbelievable in this match. I am um, much stronger than last year. But Andy Murray, when you look at him and what he's achieving, didn't just happen. Yeah. It developed over time. Yeah. It developed over time. It developed over strict discipline. It developed over doing lots of things to make him physically strong. I, um, I, I've got one minute. I'm not going to be finished in one minute. Is that okay? But I'm going to be finished as soon as I can. What time are we on? 20 to 12. Okay, I've got time. So I, um, I, was, I was looking at... Actually, I want to read you this quote because I really liked it. It says, Champions don't become champions in the ring. They are merely recognised there. If you want to see where someone develops as a champion, look at their daily routine. So... When we come in here on a Sunday, it's quite easy in the atmosphere of everybody else and in the atmosphere of worship to look like you've got it all together. And then Monday comes and it's like, ugh. Or Tuesday comes. Your daily routine is really important. Um, I, as I was um, preparing my message, I looked down at my hand and, and I just looked at my, my engagement ring. And I looked at it and God began to speak to me about diamonds. And... Uh, about how precious they are and how long it takes them to develop. And so I did a wee bit of research because a diamond is a beautiful thing. And um, it's one of the most, if not the most popular stones bought today. But I found this and what, I remember somebody saying ages ago that people die um, in the mines trying to get diamonds and when I looked at the um when I looked it up online I realized that actually there is a lot of violence attached to mining for diamonds like people die people kill each other people people it's violent and uh, people want the 
diamond. They want the result. And um, diamonds are formed at high temperature and pressure at depths of 87 to 118 miles in the Earth's mantle. Carbon-containing minerals provide the carbon source and the growth occurs over periods from 1 billion to 3.3 billion years. That is a long process. That is like, you know, we think we are in a tough process. These things are created over billions of years. But it's incredible because when we went to look for this ring, I didn't think, I, I, I didn't think about the process of what it took to make it. I just wanted the ring. I just wanted the final result. When I saw it in the window, I didn't look and I didn't say, how did that all come together? How, what happened? how was the stone formed? And how did you put all that? I just wanted that ring. And we're at people now who want the immediate thing. We don't want the process. But great, great leaders develop through process. They develop through long process. Now, I'm drawing to an end, and I'm going to go through this next section really clearly. So if you can turn to me to Acts 16... Turn with me even to Acts 16. Ver Acts 16, verse 16 to 36. And it says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left. Now, how many of you know, I want to stop there for a second, that when you are in a process, there will be something, there will be a spirit that will find that weak area. There will be something that will find that area in your life and just start speaking to you. We have to take authority over it. We have to tell it where it needs to go. We have to be watchful over our dream, okay? Um, right, so let's carry on reading. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing and are throwing our city into uproar, but advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. So here they are. They've just been stripped. They've just been beaten. They've just been thrown into jail. They've just been chained up. And they're choosing to praise God. Yeah. Now, this is what I love about this because... I don't believe for two minutes they were actually enjoying their circumstances. I don't think that they were there in that cell thinking, this is great, let's sing a song. I don't think that because they had just been beaten. They had just been chained. What they were actually doing was they were taking control of what was going on in their heads and they were, taking, they were enjoying the prison. That's what they were doing. They were choosing to enjoy the prison. They weren't enjoying it, but they were choosing to put themselves in a position where they were doing something to keep their spirit in a place where they weren't being affected. 
They were praising God. Their minds, they were protecting their minds and they were keeping God on the throne. That's what they were doing. That praise is so powerful. Can you imagine if you were pulled onto a street and you were beaten? Can you imagine if they dragged you into a prison and if they chained you up? I reckon most of us would be crying. I reckon most of us would be shouting. This is not fair. What are you doing? Why, what is going on? I'm spitting everywhere. But that's what most of us would be doing. But no, they sat there and they chose to pray. Because the other thing that they were aware of, and it says here that the other prisoners were listening. See, when you go through process, people watch. And they watch your response. They do. And that is going to develop you respect as a leader, however it is that you respond. Even up here, it's not, we don't, you don't develop respect here. You develop it down there. And, um, and so that was their, their response. And, and anyway, let's carry on reading. So it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? They, re- they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have have ordered for you and Silas to be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. So sticking with the process isn't just about your freedom. It's about the freedom of other people. And if I can be honest with you in my heart, Brian and I have gone through what we've gone through. And I said to Cheryl, I said, Cheryl, you know, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what this looks like to people that we're going through this. And Cheryl said, you know what, Ruth, it's faith. But this speaks louder to the congregation than if you were going through nothing at all because you're still here and you're still serving. So even although Brian and I have gone through what we've gone through, we go through it not just for us, but we go through it for you too. Because we know that there is a purpose coming that is going to bless your hearts. We know that there's a purpose coming that is going to bless your life. And that's what we're believing God for. So the things that um, I want to say to you is that you must have discernment. Okay. You must praise continually. You must understand that the process is God given. It's not man given. And you must know that God is faithful to fulfill the promises over your life that he has said he is going to. Okay, let's stand up. Isaiah 52, verse 1 and 2 says, Awake, awake, Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not entertain you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned Jerusalem. 
Free yourselves from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. Awake. God spoke to me um, at the age of nine. And I remember the process. I remember um, being in my room and saying, God, this is really tough. Because where I was growing up, there were no other children that went to church. I was the only one. And um, I said, God, this is really hard. And God said, Ruth, be strong and be courageous. I am going to be with you even as I was with Mary as a child. I then turned and I looked at Joshua and he gave a very similar word to Joshua where he told him to be strong and to be courageous. And then when I came to this church at about the age of 20, I started to get fascinated with the heart of David because David was a man after God's heart. He wasn't about his own agenda. He wasn't about his own dream. He wasn't about his own thing. He wasn't even really, he was chasing God, but his heart was for God's heart. It was for his heart. And that began to develop a desire within me for God's heart. And God's heart, you know, isn't about anything other than the lost reaching our city. That's what it's all about. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.